What's up, everybody? Welcome to the House of Mario, the South Australian Nintendo podcast that is backed by a 120 power star rating. I'm your host, Drew Agnew, and the doors to episode 145 are open. This week on the show, we're talking about the new Pokemon DLC information. Nintendo of America dropping its creators of its ambassador program and Nintendo's pretty ordinary refund policy. And to join me to talk all about that is my fantastic, my best friend, and most importantly, my co-host, Bryce DeWitt. Oh, hello, mate. How we going, man? That's, that was very nice in comparison to the last couple of weeks. I can't remember what I called you last week. You know, look, I don't even think you had a name for me last week. Mm. I had to say, you know, usually you call me your beautiful BLT or something, but mm. now I'm just like some sort of, you know... Half ordinary piece of trash. I got to say, you make a wonderful BLT. You just are oozing with the uh, most delicious juices. Yep. Uh, just, just a wonderful human being in a an, in a burger form. Oh yeah, I got to lose some of the bacon though. You know what I'm saying? What's that show with the talking with the? It's like a cartoon with the talking fries and the meatball and that. Aquatine Hunger Force. That's the one. So um, this is an audio-only podcast. So just close your eyes and imagine uh, Bryce is a big hamburger. And what what food item would I would I be? Well, let's see. They've already got a meatball. They've got French fries, and they've got a thick shake. So, if I'm a BLT, that would have to make you a side piece of some kind. Oh, <laughs> oh but it has to be like greasy. <laughs> Otherwise, it doesn't doesn't make mm. sense. Maybe uh, maybe like a bowl of wedges or something. Yeah, I can be a bowl of wedges. <laughs> a bowl of seasoned wedges. Ooh. There's nothing wrong with a bowl of seasoned, we- seasoned wedges. I can I yeah. can attest to that. Covered in pepper because you you know you got darker hair. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So you got to fit the style a bit more. You know, somebody who's got too much of a love for pepper, much like me. Mm. You know, yeah. You, know, you always complain about how much pepper I put on my. You food. put a ridiculous amount of pepper on your food. Listen, mate. When you live, when you, <laughs> when <laughs> you've been around my grandfather for as many years as I was, uh, though he left us quite soon, uh, he put pepper on fucking everything, and he put a heap of it on. And he would do it to mine. So I just got used to it. So live with it, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Got to get used to it, mate. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, I, I quite like pepper, but just the amount you put on, it's just eye-opening. And I don't mind because, you know, we don't share, we don't necessarily share food. If you're putting that on my half of uh, the pizza or something, you know, I would have, I would have words to say, but. Um, I mean, pepper on pizza is a bit of a blasphemy. It's a bit, it's a bit different, but, you know, just as an example, like a, sh- like a share plate or something. Oh, well, yeah. Like if it, yeah. Was, a, if it was a plate of chips and gravy or something. Mm. Yeah, and you just like you know, you literally like get a handful of pepper and just like chuck it on. Yeah, no, I no, no, salt bay it on. I'm going, you yeah. know, that thing. Yeah, yeah, that that is actually. And then, I, I, and then I pat it, <laughs> pat it like I would pat meat. <laughs> it's all gravy, so it's like. <laughs> yeah, then I really won't be impressed uh, sharing <laughs> food with you. All right, yep. Yeah, so to start off the show, Bryce, obviously there's a lot going on in the world at the moment. Uh, yes, the, the riots in America. Uh, you touched on it very, very well last week. Thank you. Um, but, you know, since, since we recorded that podcast, like a lot sort of moved on. And, yes. Uh, I think we just need to put it out there again that, you know, we support the Black Lives Matter uh, movement, whether it's here in Australia, America, UK, wherever it's uh, happening. Like it's happening worldwide now, which is really nice to see. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, I think one thing that I've learned throughout the week, uh, you know, you know, Two of us, we aren't racist. We embrace a- any person, depend- yeah, no matter absolutely. what color or whatever. 
um, they are. Um, but one thing I think I've learned is instead of just me saying, oh, I'm not racist, I think it's uh, important to um, really stand up against it rather than just sit there and say, you know, oh, what I'm doing is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but really try and help uh, echo some of these voices out there and um, push for, you know, what's right in the end because it's just good versus evil at the end of the day. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I like to think that the House of Mario, like it is an... It's a it's a it's, oh, it's a physical place where we can all come together and just embrace one another and not worry about some of these uh, silly things that have uh, yeah don't have to worry about yeah. creed or anything you know yeah you know at, at the end of the day a, a, a phrase that's thrown around a lot is we all bleed red and that's true you know mm. we're all human uh, and it really shouldn't matter what where you come from where you hail from where your ancestry was it really doesn't matter. Um, and you know, and we do, we absolutely support it. Um, I'm glad that some of the people that are trying to profiteer off of it, uh, people like Jake Paul, who thank God got mm. arrested for, mm-hmm. root, for looting because this is supposed to be a movement of equality and change and not burning down people's shit and stealing things. You know, um, we're fighting, well, we're not personally fighting, but everybody everybody over there is fighting for um, equality between race and whatever it may be. And especially in America, the police force is very tyrannical. And um, that's not to say that they're just tyrannical against, you know, um, I guess one race or creed. They're tyrannical against everyone. It's pretty pretty clear, but black people get it very much worse. And that's, you know, seen in how the youth is treated and whatever it may be. So Yeah. Oh, um, one thing that really stood out to me was a this was back this was a video from back in 2017, so three years ago. And um, basically someone rang up and accused this guy of uh, having a gun in someone else's house. So they called the cops, the cops came. They had they had machine guns or some very high powered um, gun. M4s, yeah. Yeah. And basically they called out the guys and they told the the male and the female to get on their hands and knees and move. And it ended up just like um, laying bullets into this innocent man. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he was crawling on the floor. Yeah. I've yeah. seen the one you're talking and about. And he was ab- in, his, in hysterics as anyone would be. Sorry to get grim about it. But yeah. 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 It, it no. did happen. And, yeah. you know, something similar to George, George Floyd happened to a white man not that long ago either. In my opinion, like a lot of this is the problem of people who are, considered higher up so like politicians whatever it may be and then you've got people in power like the police they really need to do some weeding yeah and like think about it here in australia um the cops they've got guns but they don't have anywhere near the type of firepower those cops over there have um aboriginal people still get mistreated here and that's why we've got you know a a stand happening here and i've met a lot of good aboriginal people and Mm. i've always got along with aboriginal people it's just sort of especially around here We've got like a little community of them and, you know, I've never made an enemy of them. I've always been friendly and whatever it may be. Yeah, as you should be. Like there's you know, no reason they not are, to be. They're just human mm. and we're all human and, yeah. you know, we shouldn't be ju- judging each other based on the colour of our skin. should be, you know, simply just right to be, you know, equal. Yeah, and it, it, it it's something that just seems so basic. I, mean, I think um, it does. a yeah. lot of good people who aren't exposed to um, those types of problems or issues just assume aren't there. 
Mm-hmm. I know I know we're pretty sheltered down here. Like we don't – there aren't very many like diverse groups of people down here in the bottom of South Australia. Uh, we, still, we still have a bit of diversity in this town, I think, like – yeah, but it's nothing like say maybe you know, not in the, maybe yeah maybe not as the same in the city, but yeah. you know we we do have you know um, groups of from the Philippines and then mm. Chinese and Aboriginal and white people. Obviously, we've got some Indian people here too. It's sort of you know we we're fine. I don't think we have too many too much of a racial problem here in this community. Mm, I hope not. Completely honest. Yeah. Like you, you know, you you'll hear the old people say the occasional thing or whatever because that's the sort of the time that we were brought up in, and you know that eventually that's going to phase out. Like I don't think you're going to change their mind now, but hopefully it just phases out real soon. Don't worry about it. But, <laughs> yeah. You know, um, I'm hoping that you know as time goes on, we're we're going towards that sort of change where that sort of racism that's that's taught by the old fashion is just completely weeded out as time goes past. And I'm not saying that we have to go kill old people. <laughs> Jesus. God. <laughs> no. But, you know, um I think I think we're working working towards a closer future to what we need um as time goes on. But I think, you know, for the time being, these protests and stuff are necessary to end violent end as much violence as possible now. Mm. Because obviously it's a huge problem. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So let's move on to the rest of the show, Bryce. It's, uh, before we uh, jump into some things, it's, uh, let's open our drinks. Yep. Um, a bit thirsty. Mm-hmm. Now, we just moved one of your couches, mate. It was, uh, yeah, it was hard work. It was hard work, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah, not really. But <laughs> yeah, no. It's actually pretty easy. It's a pretty modular couch. Yeah, it was a very, very modular couch. It's like very th- easy to move out. Like, think about my couch here. Like um, With those sort of uh, folding doors, it makes it very hard to get on. Oh, so yeah. That's going to be a bitch to get out because yep. it was a bitch to get in. Yep. Um, but yeah. yeah, I know the listeners aren't too interested about our couch moving, so we won't no. dabble on it too much. But Bryce, so what drink do you have there, mate? All right, so um, I'm just going to hold it here and I'm going to go like this, right? I'm going to go. Ooh. Ooh. I'm getting the ASMR Now, if, if there are people in the audience that understand that call, it's because it's a Canadian club. Oh. So um, what we are going to do is we've, we've had a good relationship with Denmark the past few weeks, mm. as most of uh, most of you know, and I want to thank them very, very highly because they've been very <laughs> supportive and uh, we've loved getting messages from you guys. But now we're going to try and call out somebody else from the charts and see if we get any more responses just to see if yeah. we can get that ball rolling. So right. there are no Olympics this year, so this is pretty much the replacement for the Olympics. <laughs> just keep that in mind. <laughs> so, Bryce, who are you giving the call out so, to? So in, in honour of this Canadian club that I've got here and I'm going to drink, we're calling it Canada. If you're from Canada and uh, you're listening right now, leave us some reviews. We would like to hear from you and we'd like to... Uh, hear about you know uh, your experience with the show and stuff like that and this seems to be a really good way of getting it getting in touch with people really hadn't it yes because it's really got us in got us in touch with denmark and we love you guys now like <laughs> we love you now we really well, do though we really well, do. well hey like i said like i said the house of mario is now situated in denmark thank you for understanding <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's funny too because like the sh- the show um, obviously from number it got to number one it slowly dropped mm. throughout the week and we went down to like 180. I'm like, all right, that was fun while it lasted, mm. and all of a sudden we went from 180. We went we went back to number three once the uh, next episode came out. Yeah. So thank you very much for your continued support in Denmark. And, Absolutely. And Canada, let's see if we can if you guys can uh, compete with Denmark over here. Yeah, I'd love to see it. 
Because I'm just going to pull up our stats now, Bryce. Um, I'm going to see where Canada fits in. They're, they're pretty up there as far as the countries go, just by location. Mm-hmm. So Canada, they're number seven. They're number seventh top country for downloading our show. Nice. So we know you're there, Canada. We know you're there. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's see what you're really made of. Yeah, let's hear your voices. Let's do it. Let's do it. So you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or if you don't use Apple and you don't have an Apple account, it's too hard. You can go to the link in the show notes to our website. You can use a feature over there called Recast and you can share a clip from our podcast, share it with your friends, your followers. You can even just share the podcast in general. Like You don't don't even have to go and go as far as that. You could just like go to your Nintendo group on Facebook as far as we're concerned and just go... Oh, listen to this podcast. They called us out this week. We should... Yeah, exactly what Daniel did. Thank you very yeah, much, Daniel. Exactly. Yeah. What a bro. Oh, he's, well done, man. He Honestly, is the man. Honestly, you know, that's the kind of support that uh, really, really drives us and, you know, kicks up our week an extra notch. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. My uh, week was full of uh, nitrogen. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. I was thinking of like NOS, like, you know, going faster, but then it went to oh, nitrogen. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to be full of nitrogen. That's uh, probably not a good thing. No, that sounds very painful. <laughs> All right, Bryce. <laughs> right. right, uh, let's, uh, let's talk about some video games yep. uh, 13 minutes in. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> video game podcast. Hmm. Yeah. So, Bryce, you uh, finally received your copy of Xenoblade in the mail. Yeah, it took a week. A week. A week. It took actually seven days to get yes, from. it took seven days. You yes. bought it via Big W online. Yes. 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 So that's a bit of a warning if I'm, you feel like. I'm not like, doing that again. Yeah. No. Because I, I still remember like JB Hi-Fi send them out early so that they get there on release day. Big W don't even think of that. Because mm. I know EB Games don't do that either. That's, like that's, it comes in late. Like no, not like no offense, but if if uh, if somebody gets a game early in their order, then tough shit. Mm. In my opinion, like if somebody gets a game a day early, it's not going to matter. The leak, like when you're talking about leaks and problems with. With leaks and stuff like that, it's more more or less about the people who are getting it weeks early in advance. Like mm. somebody getting a day early in the post. Oh, boohoo! Mm. I don't I don't really know, but I assume like someone like Buddy or Dash or who someone who's worked in retail would probably know this. But I assume it because uh, because like if say a Nintendo game gets sent out sent out early and it breaks embargoes or whatever. Um, they can pretty much turn around and say, "All right, we're not going to stock your retailer anymore." So they'll probably like threaten them with stuff like that. I mean, yeah, I did. So they play the safe, play it safe and go, okay, we'll just send it on release. So uh, it definitely yeah. won't go earlier. Look, I dare say that is probably the case, but at the same time, there are a lot of retailers that still do that <laughs> because, you know, the postal service is going to at least take a couple of days here. So you could at least send it like two days before release date. And I can guarantee that like for the most part, I think they kind of just need to be like, that's the other problem as well. My copy come from New South Wales. Why did it come from New South Wales? That's where their warehouse is probably. Yeah, but why can't... like They get you to enter your postcode and shit on the website anyway. Why can't they just go, all right, nearest store, send it? Mm. Kind of just makes more sense, doesn't it? Yeah, it probably does, but yeah. I guess it's just how their warehouse and all that distribution goes from. I guess so. I don't know. Yeah. It's just confusing to me. I feel like I feel like there could be... More done anyway. Anyway, this is not a postal podcast. Big um, W, pull your thumb out your ass. I, I got it. Fuck I got sakes. it. All right. I got it. I got it. Okay. Yeah. Let's just leave it on. <laughs> all right. So how's the game, Bryce? Okay. So yeah. Um, I've uh, I've played a few hours, but most of it has actually just been uh doing all the side quests in Colony Nine before I leave off, and um, 
that's been really good because the thing that sucked about Xenoblade before was the tracking was shit. Mm. It was not good. You know, there was a lot of side quests in every place and I just brought myself to the point where I was like, well, I can't be bothered doing that because, you know, at the end of the day, they're side quests and if I'm losing track of them very easily, then why do I bother? But in, in Definitive Edition, it is so easy to track side quests. And the location of items and people you've got to talk to and stuff like that. It's so easy. Don't have to worry about it at all. So that has been a godsend. And I've been using that opportunity for tracking side quests and stuff like that. Just to do all the little things that I missed out the first time around. And so I'm just leaving Colony 9 now with a 100% complete Colony 9. So um, I did that in maybe about three hours, maybe three and a half. And then uh, because I got it on a Friday, I had to put it down because I had to work all weekend. So Boo. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But three and a half hours was enough for me to sort of like give off my first impressions. And that is that it definitive edition lives to the name. Like it's the best way to play it. Um, I haven't tried it in docked. Uh, Sorry, undocked. Yep. Um, Because... You know, when I want to look at a pretty game on a TV screen, it's usually on release. So that's what I did. Mm. I plugged it straight into the TV. I played it for three and a half hours and said, cool, all right, I've had my time. I've got to get ready for tomorrow and, you know, ignore it for the rest of the weekend, unfortunately. Yep. So, um, but yeah, no, uh, it it functions well. Um, I feel like things are a little bit easier to see now, which makes uh, your crowd control indicators a bit easier, like break, topple. Um, days etc which is good Um, I feel like the graphics upgrades has really brought a new life to the characters and their emotions especially um, which is good because you know uh, if you played uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 2 you had the season pass or whatever it may be you know that Shulk and Fiora were in that game as well and they looked really nice and I can't say they look too much different which is good because it was like a direct you know, upgrade and you were like, wow, you know, they look really pretty now. Um, so very much the same thing. Um, overall, I'm very impressed so far. I can't wait to play more. Um, and I've got a few days to do it now, which is awesome. Um, so I will, uh, but, uh, in saying that as well, while I'm playing through this, uh, monolith, I really hope you're working on an export as well, because it would be (laughs) so good to have all three of those games on that one console. Uh, and X is just an absolutely phenomenal game that was uh, stinted by a console that had bad ha- hardware sales. Mm. That game would, with online play and everything up and running and working, would be so good. And it was pretty good on Wii U, uh, but the problem is lack of players. Yeah. So to see that game come out and have like its online functionality and everything uh, on the Switch, that would be wicked and... To have all three of those games would just be a dream. I'll be honest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it would be cool to see it. I'd, you'll probably see it. Oh, if it comes out, it might come out in a couple of years. They might get their next like brand new game out, then they might have a, a port in the works, hopefully. Because it would be cool to have it on Switch just to expose it to more people. Well, I mean, that's why they did, you know, the Switch ports that they have already, uh, the Wii U ports to Switch they mm. have already. So, uh, and I feel like it's, if there's any one, one of the, any one of the games that deserves it from the Wii U, it's definitely that one because it was basically, you know, it's, it's world was like the precursor to Breath of the Wild being such an amazing world as it was. Mm. Uh, 
huge skybox and what have you. Uh, X is an absolute marvel of a game, and it would be nice to see another game like that on Switch. And I know we've got Breath of the Wild 2 coming out and all that stuff, but X is its own thing. So it'd be cool to see that fly around in a giant robot along the land and, you know, attack big monsters and stuff. Yeah, cool. Um, So Definitive Edition, you know, we talked about last week from all of the news that this resolution was like, you know, cut down pretty much in docked mode and cut down a lot more in handheld mode. Uh, What are your thoughts on how it looks like on the TV? Oh, it looks fine on the TV. looks fine. Um, The only thing I notice um, a little bit is grass textures do not have very much draw distance. Right. So that you will, like, if you are looking close enough, you will see that they are popping in. Kind of like Breath of the Wild um, is very much the same way. Uh, and I know that's like a limitation of, you know, building huge maps and stuff like that. Like, mm. I'm completely aware of that. And that's the drawback you have to have on a console the size it is. And, you know, uh, but I feel like it's more noticeable in DE than it probably is in Breath of the Wild. Um, and even probably Xenoblade Chronicles 2. But it's I think it's all in the sacrifice of the fact that um, they had they cut that down a bit because uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 2 had terrible frame rate Yeah. Uh, when it comes to that and um, even worse frame rate and handheld. So, uh, you know what? Uh, they found ways to compromise around to make sure that the frame rate, frame rate stays as high as possible, as much as possible. And, you know, I can, I can attribute to that. I think that's all right, uh, especially since it's... You know, it, it is sort of like an ATB uh, RPG, like Final Fantasy, um, the later Final Fantasies. Uh, but it, uh, you know, it, it needs to it needs to still try and keep its frame rate sort of up there. It's yeah. it's not it's not one hundred percent turn based or anything like that. So, you know, mm. it is a little bit of a shame that. Uh, like it is a Wii game, so it would be nice to see it in like good resolution and all that. I feel like it would have been good if they could hit that, but like it, it, even if the world is as big as it is, you know, it's, it is still a Wii game. So I'm a, a little bit torn on that, but I'm looking forward to getting into it. I haven't got into it yet because you know oh, it's I've, a- I've been working every day, and it's it's not necessarily a thing I'm gonna just like dive straight in and into and smash. I'm gonna like play yeah. it over time. It, it's a Wii game, yes, but it is significantly improved in terms of like graphics and stuff like that. If you want to side by side, the cutscenes, you'll see. Yeah. I've seen that. a dramatic difference. There like is. It, yeah. It is very mm. huge, but I mean, that being said, yeah, you know, it lo- it looks good, but touching on frame rate issues, can I bring up a topic that I've just thought of? Okay, sure. So, um, <laughs> I've never heard of anybody playing black sad on switch until recently. Mm. And a good friend of ours, who's yeah. a listener of the podcast, Luke, has been posting footage of Black Sad on the Switch. Have you seen his posts? Yeah, I have, yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> there is not a Switch game I have seen with worse technical problems. There's barely a game I've seen with uh, worse technical problems. Holy crap. Yeah. Like missing textures when somebody punches. Like he put up three separate tweets before he completely gave up on the game. <laughs> the first one was a cuts, an interactive cutscene, uh, active active time cutscene, whatever you want to call it, where um, <laughs> somebody punches, punches a board and its texture disappears. Then the next one he posted... Uh, the main character goes to reach into his coat. 
It completely fucks up his tire, makes it does swirls, swirls and around <laughs> in circles while he's trying to get a lighter. And then he pulls away his arm. His tie goes back to normal, but then the tire's texture appears in the wall on the background. <laughs> yeah, that's great. And then the last one he got before the game crashed and he literally couldn't progress any further. It was impossible. It had the main character pull off his hat only to reveal the same hat again and throw it on the bed. And that's when it crashed. That's my favorite one. Back. That's my favorite one. Just like he takes off his hat, but he just like, he just pretty much clones his hat. <sighs> what he the hell off. happened? I'm like, why do I still see Black Sad Special Edition on EB Games shelf? I'm like, what's going on? Why is that not sold? Like, is it a bad game or whatever it may be? And then I just found out that yeah, the Switch port has just got awful. Mm. Holy crap. Yeah. Like Luke, he did say that um, in, a, in a Facebook group, people were saying they had similar pro- problems on PS4. <sighs> But yeah, he said he was enjoying the story, so I guess there's some merit to the the game itself. Just it's um probably like completely that, broken. That's what I figured it was. It was supposed to be a very story driven game, and it was supposed to you know do that do that whole Walking Dead thing that I like so much. But uh, <laughs> holy crap, it was a, it it was the most riddled technical issue thing I'd ever seen in my life. I'd never seen anything like it. Mm. I'm not sure how it got to that. Yeah. Um, as far as uh, what I've been playing, so this week I jumped into 51 wor- worldwide games. Clubhouse games, just say Clubhouse. And Yeah, so that's the thing. It's really annoying. Um, so back on the DS, there was Clubhouse games and it had like pretty much similar games to what are on this. But for some reason, I think it's in Europe and Australia, they changed it to 51 worldwide games, whereas in America it's still called um, Clubhouse games, 51 worldwide games. So they just basically got rid of the clubhouse games for us. Mm. I don't know if I don't know if it's because they were thinking like um, we don't have clubhouses here or something like it's a don't necessarily have that American culture or something. I don't quite know. No, but I decided I decided to pick it up because um, my 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 fiance Chantel she's really she's been really hard to try and get to play video games. Like a lot of people have been posting stories about you know. My partner doesn't like uh, video games, but Animal Crossing really got them. So I thought I was going to do the same thing. So, hey, would you like to play Animal Crossing with me? And she's, she turned around and said, it looks like a, an educational game for, for kids. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> so Animal Crossing didn't work. Um, Mario Kart works sometimes. Like No, she's just like really hard to sort of get her to enjoy a video game. So I was looking at this. I'm like, well, this if this doesn't work, like this is basically just card games, bowling, darts. If that doesn't get her into enjoy sitting down and playing it, I don't think anything will. No. So I bought it for sixty bucks. Sixty bucks is a little bit steep for what it is, but you know it's it's not too bad. Um, so basically, I spent about four hours um, playing this on Friday night, and we had a really great time, and she really enjoyed it as well. Um, and it's basically broken up into like there's there's card games, there's um, like I guess clubhouse games like bowling darts, um, was it air hockey? Uh, there's toy soccer, toy tanks. There's like all these different sort of games you, that you might see in Wii Play or something back in the day on the Wii. And so the first thing I did is I went to bowling. I was because it look it pretty much looks like Wii bowling from Wii Wii Sports. Yeah, and. I, like I really do miss just Wii Sports. I think that is just one of the most perfect games just for people to come over and play. So I was hoping this was going to yeah. yeah. I, I was hoping this was going to fit into that, and I would say it almost does. It's like a 
It's like a very basic version of that bowling. You can still do – you still got the spin and everything. It works like the Wiimote. But it doesn't quite work as well as the Wiimote did um, for doing it. But, but like uh, after like a, a few tries, I found it really easy to get strikes. It seems like pretty basic just to get it in the right spot. It's not as nuanced as, um, you know, the Wii Sports one is where you can like move around and do like the really like trick curls and yeah. all that fun stuff. You know how like you start showing off like, oh, yeah, I'm going to like go all the way to the left and like pivot all the way to the right and like do this uh, spin when it just comes all the way back and smashes into the center. Um, you can't quite do that or maybe I haven't mastered that just yet. I don't know. Um, so I was, I'm a little, I was a little bit let down by the bowling. It didn't live up to Wii Sports, but it's still, it's still fun to play. And if you don't have your Wii or Wii U hooked up, um, you know, you've already got it on your Switch, so that's really good. Um, you can play it with the touchscreen. I didn't play it with the touchscreen, but if, it, if it's in handheld mode, you can just, I guess, flick your finger and do the bowling that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and... The other games are, are really fun as well. So there's like there's toy soccer, which is basically um, it's not quite foosball. It's not quite like that, but it's like I, I do remember going to a caravan park and there was like this big dome and like there was this toy soccer and we had so much fun playing it in real life. So it was cool to actually get to do it in this. Um, so that was a lot of fun. It's just like really, really silly, just like kind of like foosball, trying to like get a goal and that. We had fun doing that. And um, one thing where she... Um, had a lot of fun was fun with was the card the card games because like a, one of the big reasons I wanted to get this is just the tutorials for the card games like a lot of the games I didn't know how to play mm. just because I've never like sat down and been exposed to them so um, whenever anyone says hey you want to play cards I'm like, I got no idea you know type of thing but this one it actually like it starts off with a bit of a tutorial a bit of um there's like dialogue between um, two toy characters at the start and they just like do a bit of silly banter sort of get you into it but they explain the rules and all of that and I found that I found that really useful um, especially for chess because chess is another one of those games where I just like never sort of sat down and got into it before mm-hmm. and if it and it kind of takes the fun out of it too if like someone's sitting there saying hey this piece can only move here and and you're sort of like hey uh, can I move this piece there and they go oh yeah, yeah, it can. It, it tastes the fun out of it, type of thing. Yeah. But with this, you can you can put a, a helper mode on, and it order when you go put your cursor over your chess piece, it can show where it can move, yeah. And like, um, what opposition piece it can eliminate and all of that. So we found that really useful. <laughs> yeah. And sort of going through it, we sort of had no idea what we we're doing, just playing chess, and we got down. We actually drew in the end. <laughs> Came down to a draw. We're like serious. <laughs> Like it, it was like a twenty, like a half an hour chess match. We're just like, uh, sort of learning as we're going. Like, oh, yeah, the, you know, the pawns can just like move straight ahead, but they can jump diagonally, and that's how they eliminate it. So we sort of like got a, like a lot better at like just one game. We got a lot better idea how chess works. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. So like, I, I assume if you're like a chess fanatic, I think this would be a, a good way to go about it and all that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and a lot of the games I haven't played yet. There's like, um. Yeah, so many more card games and everything I haven't got into. But one thing that did sort of strike me was there's there's the card games that um, you need multiple switches for. Like it doesn't let you play them at all if you don't have multiple switches, mainly because it kind of wrecks the game if you can see the other person's hand. So you can't yeah. just have everyone's hand on the TV. Yeah. But it does kind of uh, eliminate a lot of the options if you don't have multiple switches. Yeah, it does. Because like yeah. if... if um, like your family comes over and says, all right, there's four people, you know, let's play, I don't know, 
poker, whatever, whatever's on there. Um, like not everyone's going to have a switch. Like if your mum, your dad, your grandma and your grandpa come over, for example, they're not going to have a switch most, most likely, but they might very much be interested in playing a card game because it's very basic and they've probably played it in, like in physical form before. Mm. So it's a bit of a shame in that respect. I think it, I know there's a sort of a demo on iOS and Android. I think it's, I don't know if it's only in Japan. I only sort of heard about it. I haven't looked into it myself, but there's a, I think you can play like a f- four of the games. I think there's a, there's like toy cars and you can play like a couple of games just on iOS. I think it just pretty much works as a demo, mm-hmm. but there sort of needs to be an app that works like Jap, Jackbox Party Pack or something where people can get out their phones and they can see their, yeah. like their hand on their phone and use that as a controller. Um, because like using multiple switches, like, you know, I, I have two switch lights and my switch, like, you know, technically I could, I've got like a bit of it sorted out, mm-hmm. but even then it's like a lot of work. Like, all right, let's hand these switches out. Like not, not many families do that. I know there might be like a dad who's into games and then like the three kids have their switch lights each. And it's a very expensive, uh, yeah, very expensive, uh, 51 clubhouse games experience. Yeah. So I guess. <laughs> I guess really, if you're like, if you're if you've got the one switch and you're looking to play with your um, spouse or casual gaming family or whatever it is, you like, you don't have access to 51 games just with the one switch, which was a little bit unfortunate. Mm. Um, but at the end of the night, we sat down. Like, there's there's a <laughs> there's a game just called piano, and all you do is play the piano. Yeah. And we just got the Joy-Con each. We shake it, and it does like the maracas and all these drum sounds and that. We're like, how do you play the actual piano? Like. <laughs> like press, we're like pressing all the buttons and like the piano's on the TV. We're like, how do you play this thing? And I'm like, oh, you dirty bastards. So I get up, I pick up the switch and I just like press the touchscreen. And Chantel's just like, you're fucking kidding me. Like we're there for like five minutes. Just like, how do you play the piano? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you can't play the piano on the TV. Uh, well, Unless your TV has a touchscreen, uh, it's uh, not doable. Can't they just like make curses and you can just go? Dunga, 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 dunga. Yeah, maybe you can. Maybe you can. We just uh, didn't have the the intelligence to work it out how mm. to play the TV piano. You need to increase your intelligence stat. Yeah, I know. Tell me about it. I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think it, I think it's worth picking up, especially if you've got a group of people that uh, would like to play that type of thing. Because we had, we had a lot of fun playing it, and if there's some card games and whatever that you don't know, this is a great way to sort of learn it without going online and watching YouTube videos and reading the instruction booklet or whatever comes with these certain games. But there's still a lot of games I haven't played on there yet. But, yeah, I think it's definitely worth it. Yep. Um, maybe maybe a little bit expensive. I think 50 bucks would be – 50 Australian would be better for it. Um, but it is what it is. Hmm. It's not going to go on sale. It's published by Nintendo. So what are you going to do? <laughs> oh, well. Yeah. Does this interest – that interest you at all, Bryce? Or I – yeah, it's one of those – it's one of those things that I probably won't end up picking up. Um, mainly because that price tag, mm. I think. You know, we've. <laughs> it sounds silly to say in some ways, but we have board games and stuff like that if we want to play them. And, you know, if, if we're looking for a family experience, it's probably the best way to go about it. And everybody knows how to pick up cards or whatever it may be. Oh, I just said I didn't. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah. you know, for. for for us, it's not really a it's not really a uh, thing that we'll latch onto quite as hard. Yeah, fair so, enough. Yeah. yeah, that's probably. I see around the place it's been getting pretty good reviews too. People seem to be um, pretty. I can't. Re- high I don't. On the I, I don't think you can really 
go wrong with it. No, I'd, I'd, I'd hope Nintendo could like manage a collection of card games and that have already pre-existed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I don't, I don't think it's too much of a problem in that regard. It's all just in the presentation of how they're sort of shown. Oh yeah, absolutely. Much, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, cool game, uh, game of the year maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. Uh, so yeah, I think that's uh, all we've been playing pretty much. Um, before we move on to news, I just want to point out that there are really great Nintendo uh, eShop um, sales on at the moment. There's over, I think there's over a thousand games on sale at the moment, Ooh. which is just ridiculous. And if you try to go down that list, it's going to load forever because um, I tried, I did it. I was just going, I went through them all to add games I might be interested in to my wish list to see if I want to buy them. Um, so if you're interested in some cheap games, I'm going to link a uh, Vooks article in the show notes. If you want to go through, have a real easy way to see games and how much how much they're priced and you've got links to go and um, pre-order them online and all that, mm-hmm. uh, make it really easy. So go, yeah. and, go and support Vooks, which is an Australian Nintendo outlet and uh, yeah, yeah, make it easy for you guys. So Bryce, let's uh, move on to some news. Okay. I've got to wait for you. Woo-hoo! Wow, Bryce, so we finally got information for Pokemon Sword and Shield DLC. Oh, finally. Yeah, it was just a trailer. but <laughs> Yeah, it was only a three-minute trailer. Mm. And, like, I was up waiting at 11.30 for the uh, trailer to drop and uh, was refreshing the, the Pokemon's uh, YouTube channel and it just wasn't coming up. Um, so what they, what uh, I guess, uh, the American um, part of the Pokemon company, they actually uh, unlisted the trailer so it wouldn't come up on their channel. Oh. Um, obviously, because of what was happening with the rights and everything, I think they decided to not showcase and push information for that on the English side of things mm-hmm. because of that, which is fair enough. But um, it was a bit confusing because they said more information was coming. We're like, okay, so that time come and it just never come. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So may- maybe maybe in hindsight they could have said, hey, um, due to what's going on, we don't want to take voices away from you know, Black Lives Matter and that. Yeah. And whatever. Yeah, yeah. But the trailer was still available. You just had to find the link for it. Um, but the Japanese trailer did drop when uh, we sort of expected it to. And they dropped a l- lot of information on the new um, Isle of Armor DLC, um, which I'm really excited for. Bryce, are you excited to jump back into it? Um, back into Pokemon Shield or not really? Or? Well, I mean, I haven't purchased it, so I'm not really sure. Not sure. Um, I think I'll wait, to be honest. I'll wait and see what happens and see what the general consensus is and then, yeah. Because if not, I'll just hold off and just buy the collection when it's actually there. Like a game of the year type of thing? Is that what you're talking about? No, just like when the Crown Tundra comes out, I'll just buy it then. Then I've got more to play. Because if it's only like two hours worth of content, then... Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, so we got a, we got a release date finally and it is coming out in June. No delays. It's coming out on the 17th. Which is good. It's only was it ten days away or nine days away from recording, um, eight days away from when the episode actually comes out. And I'm just on Pokemon.com at the moment, and it lists some of the features that are coming with the Isle of Armor DLC. Um, so number one is the Cramomatic. So this is a quoted from Pokemon.com. So the dojo on the Isle of Armor houses a unique take on recycling in the form of a device called the Cramomatic. 
uh, if you feed it four items, it will combine them and give you a new item in exchange. You can receive a variety of items, including Pokeballs, PP-ups, and more. Uh, some combinations might produce rare items. So that'll be interesting. It's kind of like, it's basically introducing crafting into Pokemon um, through yeah. items. Yeah. So it depends on what you can sort of craft. If you can craft um, some cool things like Master Balls and I dare <laughs> some say, really useful things, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, I dare say it'd be a, a good way to get held items. And I think a lot of people will actually hold, well, a lot of people that really want the best out of it will probably hold off for a couple of weeks for people to build a comprehensive list mm. and then, yeah, go from there. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. Uh, we've got a, a new new uh, tutor move. So uh, completely new tutor moves will also be in the Isle of Armor. You can have your Pokemon learn these moves in exchange for uh, Armorite or uh, a substance you can only find in the Isle of Armor through max raid battles and, and other means. So the first move is Burning Jealousy, and Burning Jealousy is a new fire type move that can be ta taught to a starting uh, to start oh, <coughs> uh, a fire type move that can be taught starting with this expansion. When it said starting, I thought it was going to go into um, like a starter Pokemon. So the moves are <laughs> DLC exclusive. Yes. God damn it. Okay. Um. Yeah. Uh, well, what I predicted was right then. That's shitty. I mean, I think I think like if if they don't give you like exclusive things with this DLC, there's no reason to buy it. So yeah, I don't really get, have a problem with you that. You get your exclusive things. You get an exclusive area to explore, a new bit of the story. You get a new Pokemon that you can earn that is tradable if you want, but you can earn it and get it how you want it. You know, you've got more challenges for you to do, more max raids for you to do. What the fuck is the point in hindering the competitive side of Pokemon by making exclusive moves? Yeah, we'll see I, how that's, re that's really dumb. I mean, I'm not too worried because I've bought it, so it's all good. I know, I know you're not worried, but like, I just think what what if if that's the case, then what then what's the point of allowing stuff like Pokemon being tradable and whatever, having anything exclusive that's going to in fact uh, impact rather uh, competitive side of Pokemon. I mean, you can get a traded Pokemon with this move. Yeah, um, but you've got to you've got to send a Pokemon over there. You've got to do that, whatever. I don't know. It just seems like a pain in the ass. I mean, it's it's pretty. I, I think this is a good thing because, like, just having. I, I don't think exclusive moves are that big a deal. But we'll go on. So there's a Burning Jealousy. There's a Glassy Glide, and Glassy Glide is a new uh, Grass type move that can be taught. Uh, with this expansion, the move has high priority when using grassy terrain, which will work really well with the new hidden ability, which we'll go into later. And th this is uh, one of the things that stood out to me the most. So there's a, a, a new thing called Max Soup. And Max Soup is a special dish made from rare ingredients you can gather on the Isle of Armor. If a Pokemon with great hidden potential drinks Max Soup, it will become a special Pokemon uh, capable of Gigantamaxing. So I get what, what this really means. If you have, say, if you just hatch or catch a Lapras, a normal Lapras that um, has a G-Max form, you'll be able to make a, G, uh, a Max Soup and it will be able to um, Gigantamax. So it's a good change and I, I think that's awesome. Uh, but the only problem is, is that a lot of the G-Max forms are suboptimal. <laughs> a lot of them are, yeah. Which sucks. Like... You know, you'll hear a lot of competitive Pokemon players say, well, actually, G-Max sucks nuts. So, <laughs> you know, you're probably not going to want to use them. <laughs> yeah, but this will this will be the way how you get your um, 
Gen 8 starters, um, G-Max form. So Rillaboom, Cinderace and Inteleon. Yeah, You'd rather get that. Hopefully they're good. Um, you do receive a, a Bulbasaur or a Squirtle or and a Squirtle. I'm not sure if you get both or you have to choose. Um, not quite sure, but that's how you'll get those uh, new G-Max forms as well. Um, so that's that's sort of the list. And they they introduce uh, some new Pokemon as well. So there's a Galarian Slowbro, which is now a Psychic Poison type. And instead of the um, Shelter biting its tail, it's now bit its arm. And I guess the poison from that has gone into its body and made it into a, a poison type in the, the Gala region. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, I think this is really cool. He's pretty much become like a, a Mega Man character. He's got like a the, the gun on his hand, which shoots out poison. It's pretty I cool. It, I thought it was a little bit strange, though. How so? Well, I mean, it could just be, could just be how Slowbro and Slow King have their aesthetic. Because like. You know the the shoulders taking place on its tail, and then it's t- taking place on its head. The natural the natural evolution to that is going to be it's going to take place on its arm. I don't know. Feels a bit yeah. weird to me. I mean, it's just bit in a different place. I mean, so. I, I mean, I think it's a good type, a type combination. I think it's yeah, pretty it's unique, cool. and that's good. So it's like um, I think I, I I read this somewhere that now that with this Pokemon, it makes uh, Psychic the third most um, combined type with other types as well. So that's pretty cool. A bit of trivia. Yeah, right. Well, there you go. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, I think it's pretty cool. And also with a new Galarian form. So we know the typing of Articuno, Zapdos, and Moltres now. Articuno is a psychic flying type. Uh, Zapdos is a fighting flying type. And Moltres is a dark flying type. Uh, what do you think of these new typings? It's pretty cool that they... I never really thought about them getting rid of uh, their main types, being fire, ice, and electric. Um, a lot of people were talking about getting rid of flying type, but getting rid of flying type for a bird really doesn't make much sense. So um, I think I think the, the new typing is really cool. Zapdos took a big fat L. Don't like Zapdos? I think Zapdos looks really cool. No, I think Zapdos looks very cool. But what I mean is that it took a massive fat L and it's no good. <laughs> Why is that? Well, let's take this <laughs> let's take this as a standard as if is if they're strong enough for people to keep them in competitive teams and everybody's got one of each on their team. Zapdos isn't going to be picked. No way in hell. Yeah, but why? Because it's flying fighting. Your options against that, if you were to put all three of those birds against these op- each options, which one loses out? I don't know, but... Like, those. Like, Halucha's used, like, a little bit. Like, not a whole lot, but, like, that is, like, pretty much the only fire-fighting, yeah, like, flying-fighting uh, type. Halucha didn't also have, have a equivalent that was uh, psychic flying or... You know, something like that to take it out of the competition. Mm. I think, like, um, the only thing, the only thing that uh, this Zapdos can be effective against uh, out of those three is Moltres. But even then, it's not super effective. It's it's yeah, yeah. the only po- It's the only Pokemon out of those three that doesn't have a super uh, super effective advantage against each other. Yeah, like it's it's sort of this. This is sort of the. Uh, the fan fairy sort of starters like we always wanted with a <laughs> psychic dark and fighting just with that different sort of type wheel mm. um, of how it works. But just with the, like obviously the flying as the secondary type, it just uh, nullifies. Completely negates it. Yeah. yeah. Like, cause I really, I reckon Zapdos is my favorite simply because it's just not overdone. I feel like Moltres and Articuno for me are very, very overdone in terms of design. 
Mm. I really, I really like them all though. To be honest, I think uh, probably Articuno would be my favorite one. No, nah, I think those. I think Zapdos is mine because it's very, um, very, it's very simple. It it fits the concept all right. Uh, Articuno just looks like Will took Pokemon form, like from the Elite Four. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, like dead on. That's exactly what it looks like. Um, and I think Zapdos is my favorite, but it, it, it just, but them having, them having the secondary type of flying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you, if you're like um, versing them all together, I guess uh, Zapdos comes out on the bottom because of that. You'll be able, easily able to use like some probably like, you know, even Moltres be able to use probably Brave Bird or some powerful flying move on it. And it'll probably, uh uh, make pretty easy work of it, but yeah, don't know. I like them all anyway. I think it'll be fun. We don't get them until the second DLC pack, so don't have to worry about them for a little bit. I'm not sure. I'm not sure about uh, Moltres. I think Moltres is probably the worst one off for me. Mm. It's probably my. It's probably my um third favorite out of the three too. But so I still really like it. Mm. Yeah, mm. I don't know. Um, so and also we got um, G Max forms for Blastoise and Venusaur, which we knew before, but we sort of saw more in-game stuff of it, which looked uh, pretty neat. Yep, um, yep. Do you think these guys look pretty cool? I really like how Blastoise is like a big fortress, and like <laughs> cannons out of its back and everything. It's really cool. I love how I love how they gave Venusaur a bowl cut. I did. Yeah. We're getting a phone call. But you or me? It's you. Oh, look at that! Better hang up on it. Little Mister Man, he got a phone call. I did. Oh my god! Oh my god! Not turning your phone off during a podcast. What are you? Yeah, I just said uh, not very professional. <laughs> <laughs> um, and as well as well as that, when when the after the trailer went up, um, they released hidden ability Grookey, Score Bunny, and Sobble on uh, Pokemon Home. Okay. Yeah. yeah, which I went and got straight away because I was up anyway, so I went and got them. And I'm currently trying to get a, a shiny hidden ability Grookey, but uh, no luck just yet. Isn't the best one going to be Score Bunny? Yeah, yeah. Technically. Yeah, so um, Score Bunny's going to have ability. Um, I've got the name of the ability just off the top of my head. But Is it like Protean? Yeah, it's exactly yeah. the same. So once you use a move, it will change its type to the same same, same typing move. as that move. So you'll get the 1.5 stat um, stab each time, yep. which would be pretty insane. And you can swap your type at will pretty much, mm-hmm. depending on what you predict is going to be coming. So uh, it's going to be an absolute beast. So. It's a very annoying ability. I don't know why they mm. ever invented it. Yeah. <laughs> it's stupidly overpowered. I don't understand. I don't understand why they made it. Because with Greninja, it was a real problem, obviously. Mm. Yeah. Um, but apart from that, we got a little bit of information for the next uh, DLC pack as well, the Crown Tundra. And it shows that uh, if you go to Pokemon.com and have a look, it actually shows you like some of the mechanics for sort of exploring the raid dens. How you can split up in different directions and sort of choose your legendaries. Mm-hmm. And this is how you're going to be um, getting all the legendary Pokemon. It shows all the main Pokemon throughout the series. So Mewtwo and the, the birds. Oh, not the birds. Um, was it Mewtwo, um, Groudon, Kyogre, Hiwo, Lugia, all, like all of the main ones. So that's how you'll be getting them. I'm not sure if you'll be getting like uh, some of the other ones like Latios, Latias and um, the non-main legendaries as such uh, through that way. But um I'm kind of hoping that some of the other legendary Pokemon are not through raids, just introduced in a bit more interesting way. We see that the three uh, Regis are introduced, like you just actually go and do the puzzles and that, like you would in Ruby, Sapphire, Emerald. Yeah, that's because they got two new Regi forms too. Yeah, yeah. But I hope uh, some other legendary Pokemon are just like not in raids because 
while it's good that raids are used to introduce some of these Pokemon, it is a bit more of a boring way to do it rather than mm. going and finding them. But uh, looking forward to it nevertheless. And in that DLC pack, there's also a Galarian Star Tournament. So you team up with other characters in the Galar region and you do double battles. Um, so this will be cool. Um, and it's kind, of, it's kind of like a way of introducing VGC into the actual game. So actually doing um, that sort of style uh, tournament, which would be pretty cool. Maybe help you introduce it and uh, maybe get some um, like cool end game into the into the game, add to the end game rather than just the battle tower and all that. Yeah, yeah. Mm. hopefully. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that's pretty much it apart from the uh, two new Reggie. So, Reggie Alecki and Reggie uh, Draco. So, um, electric and dragon type, respectively. Reggie Alecki is kind of a lame name. <laughs> yeah, like there's... A lot a lot of, a lot yeah. of people are just like, Reggie Vault, or, you know, heck, even just Reggie Alecki instead of like Reggie Alecki, or, you know. Mm-hmm. Just seems 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 a bit lame. What are you gonna do? Go and uh, go and knock on uh, Nintendo Treehouse and say, "Oi, Treehouse, what were you thinking?" Change the name. <laughs> Change the name. <laughs> all right. So I think that's all, all of the the Pokemon news, Bryce. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, you're not, but we can move on. No, well, I'm half off. Half off. Just like a, just like your order from Subway. I have a half half, thanks, man. Like I enjoyed my time with Pokemon, and I think I've made that pretty clear before. But the the biggest problem with Pokemon for me at the moment is whether you know they can sort of try to pick up the quality a bit more. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and I think like that's that's on a lot of people's minds. Even if they did enjoy Pokemon, they thought it was fun, whatever yeah, yeah. it may be. Um, there there was not much quality control in Sword and Shield, and it doesn't feel like. You know, a lot of the time they were talking about, you know, trying to f- try and improve things and trying to make things better on all these Pokemon cut and stuff like that. I don't think people were ultimately satisfied. Um, yeah, well, there's definitely issues there. Like um, the code for uh, shiny rates in like wild encounters is just broken and it's never been patched. Yeah. Like, for example, like there's just things there where they put it out and they've obviously moved on to DLC and after the two DLC packs, are, you know, they'll be well on the way to the next Pokemon game. Like there's no sort of um, looking at the product and fixing things that they need to fix. Yeah. And so. I mean, that's that's a serious issue. And, you know, they would want to be putting in a lot of quality quality mm-hmm. in these DLCs. And I think that's probably my main reason for holding off at the moment is because, you know, if it's two hours worth of time and get nothing out of it, <laughs> then I'll, I won't bother. <laughs> I won't get my money. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think everyone's sort of hoping for like the patch that comes alongside the DLC. It'll be like a big one, which fixes some of these things. Oh, but and if it does, I'll buy it. But I'm not holding out hope. <laughs> yeah, no, fair enough. All right, Bryce. So next uh, article comes from Nintendo Life, and it's just a bit of a summary on the Digital Foundry's uh, verdict on the Bioshock, the collection on Nintendo Switch. So the article reads, uh, last week, for the first time ever, the Bioshock series made its debut on a Nintendo platform. This remastered collection for Nintendo Switch includes Bioshock, Bioshock 2, and Bioshock Infinite. So how does it compare to the existing versions on other platforms? Digital Foundry's Thomas Morgan recently had a look and found the only real uh, compromise to the port is the frame rate, reducing the game from 60 to uh, 30 FPS. This is a um, a quote from uh, Thomas. So where's the uh, current generation's... uh, 
current uh, the current gen consoles get a presentation that targets 60 frames per second switch runs at 30 frames uh, effectively on par with the last generations at their best in fact in terms of overall consistency switch is significantly better performance locks to 30 frames almost uh, permanently only blighting by occasionally uh, irregularities in frame pacing on top of that there are big improvements to image quality thanks to running at high resolutions so i there wasn't when i sort of looked last week there weren't many uh, reviews in that for the switch version um but seeing all this coming out it makes me a bit more um happy to sort of yeah the sort of gone by because i was looking at it on the e-shop and it's for the collection here in australia it's 90 dollars, which is pretty much out of the question for me 90 dollars is way, way too much I, I know that's three games and you'll probably get your money's worth out of it if you do buy it but i'm not like i got it for free on playstation and it was free on the epic store last week yeah, it's free it's free on epic store like you can get it literally for free and if you actually buy it you'll probably get it for like 20 bucks max yeah so getting it on switch is kind of a hard sell but um at least at least it runs and it's a good port so if you do buy it it will be worth your money mm-hmm. yeah um and bioshock's one of those games too i need to i need to play because i bought it back when i had xbox 360 but um i had a non-hd tv in it reading the text i it just was Impossible. not was yeah. not going to fly i could not read the text it was too small and too blurry mm-hmm. yeah yeah oh, well. yeah so next article comes from nintendo life and it the title is Minecraft Dungeons knocks Animal Crossing off the top of the eShop charts. So Minecraft is obviously an insanely popular game, so it's no surprise to hear Mojang's new spin-off Minecraft Dungeons is already selling incredibly well across multiple digital platforms. On the Nintendo front, it's taken top spot from Animal Crossing New Horizons on the Nintendo e- Nintendo Switch eShop bestsellers list in the United States. As noted by Benji Sales, this brings an end to Tom Nook's three months of dominance, which began in March. Um, so this is a quote from Benji Sales, and he says, Minecraft Dungeons has ended Animal Crossing's run as the best-selling uh, game on the US eShop. Animal Crossing New Horizons has been number one since early March. That's three months of dominance. Uh, we are seeing on Xbox, Minecraft Dungeons is performing very strong and is now number one on Nintendo Switch. So this is a game I'm yet to actually uh, jump into. I w- I'm going to uh, download it on Game Pass and see what it's about because when it was announced at E3 last year, it was like, oh, this actually looks like quite a bit of fun. And I'm not a Minecraft guy really, so um, it kind of shows a... Uh, it's just Minecraft Diablo, yeah. like same... Yeah. Same uh, possum it'd be, theory. It'd be good too. When I think they're going to introduce some um, cra- cross-platform, so that's going to make the game really cool too. You yeah, can just yeah. jump onto it anywhere and be a good game to play on Switch. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. For sure. For sure. For sure. Um, so this 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 is a a, um, a bit bigger story, I guess. So this is um, I don't have a, a story for this, but um, earlier this week, beat 'em ups, um, a content creator over on YouTube, he posted a video called "I'll No Longer Be Working with Nintendo." Here's why, and it's a half an hour video. So if you're interested in seeing it, I'll leave a link in the show notes to go and check out the full video from him explaining everything. But um, just a quick run-up of the video basically is that um, Nintendo sent him an email saying that um, he's no longer a part of the Nintendo Ambassador Program in North America. And they gave him sort of no reason and sort of like a back and forth um, after a while. He's still getting game codes from Nintendo America. He got the 2K games. He's uh, He got Minecraft Dungeons and he's going to continue to get codes by the seams of it. But 
He's um, going to get all the benefits. He's just not being labelled as an ambassador. Yeah. And it, it kind of brings up like the question, like, why? Why isn't he going to be like a part of it anymore? Um, and the reasons he fought and a lot of other people sort of speculated on as well as one reason is the last video he released was a modding video of Breath of the Wild, um, which you could see that Nintendo wouldn't be too impressed by that. But in mm-hmm. sort of talking back and forward with Nintendo America, apparently that's not the reason as what they've said. Um, the other reason as well is that, um, that he often um, talks about mental health and pushes is a big advocate for mental health, which is obviously a really good thing. Um, I don't think that would be the reason at all. Yeah. So <laughs> totally honest. So we'll talk about it, Russ. So we'll start off like why Why do you think he might might have lost the Nintendo ambassador status? Um, they said it They after poking it around or whatever, they said it wasn't the reason. But I think modding... Modding Breath of the Wild probably was the pin in whatever was going on there. Mm. You know, it was the thing that made them go, all right, that's it. Yep, all right, whatever. Um, to be honest, beyond that, um, I'm not really sure, but they, as as mentioned again, you know, um, in the video, they're, they're changing the ambassador program and they've made that very clear um, to him, at least, you know, uh, and I think it's more or less going to be it, it. It's it's him for now, and as far as he knows, as he's you know sort of put it out there, um, he's the only one that's been removed, and that's not one hundred percent just yet. I would give it time for this new program to kick in and then see what happens there, because I have a feeling they're going to be doing a lot of weeding, because when they bring in a new program, they're going to want to put on as little amount of people as possible or as, or at least without harming their revenue so that they can push forward because, because he hasn't lost any of any of his benefits. He's just lost the title. Yeah. So that just tells me that they're still working with him. They just removed the ambassador status from him. So they're literally going to have that title and put it towards something else. Yeah. Like it, 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 it kind of shows you that they want to keep working with him and keep, providing him code so he can keep making videos and that. Like they obviously like him. They haven't just like cut off all ties and that like there's a few other content creators where I know that they've just had all ties cut off from companies I was talking to because whether they're just not liked or they've got more um, opinions that aren't liked by other people, whatever the reason. So Nintendo of America still obviously does like what beat em ups is doing on his channel. But I think, I think like you say, the sort of the advocate – being an advocate for mental health doesn't come into it. I think it probably does. I think um, when Nintendo is looking at um, people to join their ambassador program, I think they're looking at people who are extremely like safe and squeaky clean and just put on a smile for their products and shine them in the best light. So when when he's doing things that aren't focused on just games and that he's talking about maybe problems with himself and problems in society and um, you know, just bringing bringing awareness, which is a fantastic thing, just for his community and just the gaming community at large. I feel like uh, a lot of what you know, Dane Peavy is doing with his podcast, just really like, pushing that message out there and raising money and doing all that fun stuff. Um, so I do think that would have a little bit about it, um, even if it's nothing he's sort of done. They might look at it and say, like he might do something. Um, 
And I've got to ask you, like, I don't, I don't want to um, go too much in this, but like Etika, was he an ambassador, a brand ambassador at all for Nintendo? No, he never applied for it as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Because like he sort of came across as the type that was a brand ambassador just because of how, um, just how his content <laughs> just aligns so much with Nintendo. But. Yeah. Except for the fact, except for the fact that, you know, N bombs every, every two minutes because he could. Yeah, you so know. yeah, not the family friendly. He, he, yeah. he's, no, <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't fit that category of what they want, and I don't think he's concerned about it. He just likes Nintendo Nintendo stuff. Um, as for you know being an advocate for mental health and stuff like that, and being and having a part in it that where you get removed from it, I think that's probably reading it too deep. I I'd like to think we're in a world these days that is more receptive to mental health. And I think it's very a very backwards way of thinking that that might be the problem. Oh, abs- no, absolutely. But I'm just trying to think like what a marketing team would be sitting down and thinking. I'm not saying from my perspective, I'm like, oh, no, this is too dangerous or whatever. No, well, if anything, if anything, they would probably rather be working with people with people like that and helping, you know, you know, push their agenda. And as as like twitch does or whatever it may be where people are having fundraisers and stuff like that and twitch promotes them and stuff like that i would i would very much imagine that it'd be more likely the case that they would do something like that because that brings them more revenue far more revenue um in a in a day and age you know where we're much more receptive to these problems uh whether it be mental health physical health racial problems uh you know gender equality all that stuff. I think um, companies are starting to realize that, you know, the new generations coming in, they're not grumpy old men sitting in a room talking about how they, I don't know, their <laughs> shoes weren't shine this morning or some shit, you know. And I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's that bad anymore. And I think they're, I think Nintendo has a pretty good touch um, with a lot, a lot of creators that are on their side. Um, so, you know, people like the completionist or whatever it may be, um, that probably have a far more interaction with them than what he's doing. So my, my take behind it, I suppose, is that what he says in the video is that the most help he gets from Nintendo is he gets invited to things sometimes. And that's like very rarely often. And they provide him with game codes. Now you could say we're doing pretty much the same thing. (laughs) <laughs> almost yeah we get game codes like they'll go you know rarely yeah but if, yeah. If, if you would like to play a game and then we go yes please and then we might get a game code and he said the same thing he he sometimes gets them doesn't always mean he is whereas what i think they're trying to do is they're trying to make a big spectacle of the ambassador program and have more stuff like what happened with matt pat or the completionist or you know uh Pro Jared, even though we don't mention his name anymore. No. Really? <laughs> but those are all people that had direct interaction with people like Reggie and putting them in a very good spotlight or Bill Trinan or whoever. And they actually did full-on collaboration videos. And they're still considered that, the ambassador. But what that tells me is beat-em-ups is not doing that kind of work with them. So they're trying to create a category for that. They're still offering him games and stuff like that because they still want him to play them and people obviously, you know, still watch them and stuff. Mm. But they don't want to categorize 
the people that they're calling ambassadors as just people that play their games. They want them to be like people that interact with the company more. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, you've only got to look at, you know, the creators that have spent time with their corporate and, you know, done whatever. Matt Pat had a few videos with Reggie and, you know, there were full production videos and then um, the completionist had a challenge where he had to finish, I think it was a link between worlds on the train to what, like on the train time that he spent yeah. getting to Nintendo HQ and he lost. So he had to dress up in a tingle costume <laughs> yeah, fr- that's and, great. and sit with Bill Trinan on a couch. You know, it, I, I think, I think it is, it is just shrinking and they are changing it to make it a bit more of a thing. Uh, they, especially I feel like with people like Doug Bowser, who is the new Britain president of Nintendo very clearly does not have as much as a social standing as Reggie did because we all know Reggie was always out in the public all the time talking and he still is. Um, but Doug Bowser doesn't really do that. So I have a feeling that, you know, a, a lot of the stuff we're going to see coming from this new ambassadors program is going to be a lot of hands on to help push more personalities out that aren't just Reggie or, you know, the old personalities like Shigeru and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I guess like what it could have been is just he was, you know, as big as he is, um, he was just sort of at the bottom of the list as far as like being yeah. interactive and that with them. So I think I think that is probably the case. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's personal. I think it's just they wanna they wanna have a better definition of ambassador. Yeah. And like like they say they are making changes to their program. So that might be like, all right, we're gonna bring we're gonna make sure we bring every single one to our offices for the year and we're going to do content and you know push 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 like our games and all of that and you know have to weed a few just to be able to so we don't, so we don't have to make an excuse when we don't invite them or something i don't yeah, know exactly yeah yeah because yeah. lucky like i know i was playing a bit of devil's advocate with the mental health thing like but that would have been extremely sad if that was the reason because you know that's that's always a good message to get behind and because a lot of Nintendo customers would be sort of, you know, battling with depression and sort of these um, mental health issues. Yeah. It's not limited just to anything else. So Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, as far as things goes, though, but just with um, just the ambassador program and having to always, I guess... Put, put like your best face on for their products. So like I know, I know there's a lot of great content creators out there. There's like um, Rogers Base, Miss Click, and all of that. And I don't, I don't think they'll necessarily say that they like something that they don't. But um, it is something to keep in mind when you know creators are sort of labelled with this uh, creators program. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how we would go if we were in North America and we could be a part of this program. Not, not that we would, just because. We do a podcast. We don't even do YouTube, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> so, but, you know, it's just a thing on top of credibility. I don't know. Yeah. No, not too sure. Not too sure. So, Bryce, for this uh, next new story, I reckon we'll move into Reggie's rec room to, to wrap it up. What do you reckon? All right, cool. You're going to get on the, the escalator and uh, move on in? Mm-hmm. Yep. I'll press the button. There we go. Beep. <laughs> Hi, Nintendo fans. Reggie here. Hey, Reggie. Thank you for your never-ending support, for giving me a mushroom kingdom full of incredible memories that I will never forget. 
ever. Is he is Reef field your Canadian club there, Bryce? No, uh, Reggie, it's looking a bit invisible liquid. No, oh. sorry, mate. Hey, you don't think you could whip down in the store for me, Reggie? Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea, actually, Reggie. You go down, you go down the bottle and we'll uh, have this conversation, <laughs> and we'll, we'll finish when you get back. He's looking very grumpy. I think I saw a bit of a red glint in his eyes. I think we might be in trouble. Oh shit! Yeah. <laughs> might might not be Reggie. It might be the Reginator. Oh no! Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Not the Reginator. Oh dear. That's the last thing we need to worry about. Oh no. About. Yeah, we don't need that in this bar. No, we don't. No, turn out like Pulp Fiction. Mm. So I guess I got this um, idea for this topic just from, um, I guess, the PlayStation side of things. So this the uh, in Australia, PlayStation was sued over its re- refund policy for its uh, PlayStation network. And we'll, we'll go through sort of the, the article um, regarding the Australian consumer uh, watchdog and everything and uh, then we'll go into what Nintendo's is because Nintendo's refund policy is non-existent and that needs to change yeah big time before they get sued yeah (laughs) yeah I hope it'll happen here yeah so this uh, I've got this article from the Financial Times so a bit different to um, what I usually pull up Mm -hmm. but this is obviously a a bit more of a a serious article so the title is uh, Sony sued by Australian regulator over PlayStation refunds, um, and it's by Jamie Smith in Brisbane, and it was published uh, end of May, so it's a few day, well, a week or so old now. But Australia's consumer watchdog is taking legal action against Sony Interactive Entertainment Europe, uh, alleging it broke the law by telling consumers they could not get refunds for faulty PlayStation games. The Australian uh, Competition and Consumer Commission said on Wednesday that Sony made false and misleading representations to Australian consumers on its website and PlayStation online store. Quote, from around September 2017, Sony Europe told consumers seeking a refund for faulty games that did not have, uh, that did not have to provide refunds for games that have been downloaded or if 14 days had been passed since the physical purchase, uh, the regulator said in a statement. Sony Europe is responsible for the terms of service that Australian consumers must agree to when uh, creating a PlayStation account. Uh, One regulator uh, alleged that Sony told gamers it did not have to provide refunds unless the game's developer, a separate entity to Sony, admitted the game was uh, irreparably faulty. Uh, Sony had falsely claimed it had the right to provide refunds using the virtual PlayStation currency instead of cash, the ACCC said. That was a mouthful. (laughs) (laughs) The ACCC said. ACCCC. Quote, consumer guarantees do not expire after a digital product has been downloaded and downloaded as we allege Sony Europe told uh, consumers. And refunds must be given in the form of original payment unless a consumer chooses to receive it in uh, store credit, said Rod Sims, uh, ACCC chair. Uh, Quote, uh, consumers who buy digital products online have exactly the same rights as they would in the physical store. End quote. The ACCC said, fuck, (laughs) said Sony's misleading representations might have caused consumers not to seek a refund, replacement or repair for a faulty game when they have the right to do so. Um, it is seeking financial penalties, injunctions and corrections, uh, corrective action and costs in a suit field in the Australian Federal Court. Quote, no matter in 
No matter where in the world a company has its headquarters, if it is selling to Australian consumers, the Australian consumer law applies, end quote, said Mr. Sims. Sony declined to comment on the matter. While analysis estimate Australia accounts for only a small percentage of Sony's global sales, a legal expert said the risk for Sony was that regulations in other markets would follow uh, follow the lead of the ACC and uh, begin its uh, bad behavior. Uh, quote, the ACC is making a big push on consumer rights since the legal change last year in Australia, aligned the penalties for breaches of consumer law with those of the competition law breaches. Um, so I'm going to skip that paragraph there um, just so we hurry it up a bit. Um, in 2016, uh, the British Consumer Goods Group was fined a record um, 6 million Australian by an Australian court for misleading consumers over pain-killing effects on Nurofen in a case brought by the ACC. Uh, the Australian case prompted by a probe in the UK advertising watchdog over... What's that? Oh, that's all good. Yep. Um, he just pointed to the SD cards full, but the computer's still going. That's all good. I'm just making sure. <laughs> um, by its pain-taking abilities and a landmark ruling that had implications for the industry... And uh, yeah, so let's just, we, we got the information we need from the article. Thank you very much. Yeah. Financial Times. Took ages. <laughs> it did. Um, but basically what, what Sony was offering is if you wanted a refund, you got refunded in PlayStation Store credits. Which you is did, bullshit. <laughs> which is bullshit. You didn't get it back in cash, um, which is no good. But on the Nintendo side of things, on Nintendo eShop, in all countries, um, not only can you not get it back in cash, you can't get it back at all. There is no refund policy at all. So um, just from checking out Nintendo's online store, if you say, all right, how do I get a refund? Um, they basically say, this is a quote from Nintendo's site. So we do not uh, we do not need to provide a, um, a credit, a refund or exchange in cases such as a change of mind, accidentally per- accidental purchase, or because you simply didn't like the game. But in case of any encouragement, any encouragement you... In case, but in any case, we encourage you to contact us if you have any concerns of your purchase from Nintendo eShop in Japan or New Zealand. Um, but you know they don't have just an easy way to refund. Like Sony, a part of Sony getting sued was just the fact that they made it hard enough; a lot of people just wouldn't bother. So Nintendo makes it extremely hard to do do it in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, like, it's, it's always been one of those things that's just not on. But after seeing Sony being so sued by the ACC, um, I think it, I think it's time Nintendo actually helped its consumers and let them get a refund. Because, like, to be fair, I haven't tried to get a refund that often on um, the eShop. Probably the only time I actually really looked into it was because um, I pre-ordered um, let's go, let's go Pikachu and Nintendo of Australia was actually kind enough to provide us a code, yeah. uh, a physical edition. And I'm like, oh well, I'll um, get a refund and I'll just play my box copy. But there was no way of getting a refund, so I just played it digital, which which was fair enough, which was fine with me because I was happy just to play digital copy and not have to swap around game cards and that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I wasn't too bothered about it. But if you pre-order a game and it turns out to be busted or broken, or you know, you just like. If you just change your mind, you probably should do more research before you're just, oh, I don't want it anymore. That's like, that's, 
that's sort of on you. But if a game is broken and it's just uh, not fun or not good, you should have the right to be able to refund it oh, a, absolutely. a week after. Yeah, especially if it's, you know, like an $80 purchase. Yeah. You know, um, and I mean, uh, it's a, a court case battle had just similarly, similarly uh, won a couple of weeks ago. And that was uh, EB Games... Uh, EB Games denied the right for a refund on uh, Fallout 76 for about three years. Um, and they've just lost that court case and now they have to give everybody, everybody that wants a refund on Fallout 76 a refund. I don't know how they got away with that. They are a physical oh, yeah. retail store. They so have to. Yeah. yeah. Um, There's no workarounds there. No, I think they just stopped taking them. Like, And I, I remember when it happened, they literally just stopped taking refunds on them. Yeah. Um, but that's also because a lot of people were demanding refunds from Bethesda, which never went through. They got a special edition with not what was promised. Um, and then they got compensated very poorly in regards to that. Um, anything to avoid as much refunds as possible. But then EB Games must have put in a bit of money towards Fallout 76, not knowing what they were getting into. And they they got a lot of copies and sold a lot of copies. And then a lot of people were like, hmm, this game is shit. So they went and took it back. But then everybody started taking it back at once and like, all right, we can't process all these refunds. We're not refunding it anymore. Mm. And that's not fair. Like, so what does that mean? Like the first hundred people got their refund and then like after 101, they like took that little little red rope uh, flag thing that they keep out front of clubs and they're like, sorry, sir, no more refunds. Like, fuck off. Yeah, it's just not on. And like, at least like, like PlayStation's refund policy wasn't even necessarily that bad. Like at least you could get your money back and spend it on another pre-order. Yeah, but- I know it's not great, but Nintendo doesn't even offer that. No, they don't. They don't. And I'm not saying that's... Yeah. And when, when you search for it and you go to their site, it's just like, no, we don't do refunds, which is bullshit. Yeah. Which yeah. is just not on. Yeah. The reason um, the reason it is bullshit is because uh, like Steam Steam got in trouble for the same thing. They were the, they yeah. were the big instigator the, to this whole discussion in that, uh, you know, you purchase a digital, digital product for almost as much as a physical product in most cases. Um, especially if it's brand new, it's pretty much the same price on anything you buy. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's PlayStation, Xbox, PC, Switch, um, whatever, whatever you buy. Mm. Um, but you are paying the same amount as you would a physical product. But the difference is, is you could refund that physical product. You can't do it on the um, digital one because the company doesn't offer refunds. And in my opinion, that's more or less lazy than anything. Um, it's the reason, well, a very good reason why I still buy a lot of my games physical, even though I'm using a portable console to play them is because I know at least down 10 years time, if they ever decide to shut down the Nintendo network, I'll still have access to all my games. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. (laughs) Which I mean, how are you going to save that? Don't know. I'm going to have to like, you know, back up SD cards and, you know, do all that bullshit, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So in the end, so in the end, it's probably going to cost you more anyway. Yeah. Um. But I I like to buy as much as I can physical, and there's even games that I have digital where I'm like I really should go pick up a physical copy of that before they disappear. Like Smash Bros, for example, that's a big one. Um, because the Switch is something I want to have a consistent collection of before it goes out, and I want to keep that physical collection. Um, because it's been a 
hell of a console with a lot of good games. And um, it's one of those things I want to keep around. But um, the fact that, you know, you can't just as just as much as hit a button and say, right, I want to refund this game. Sure, have have a, a bit of a baseline price, right? Like where you're like... Um, 14 days, again, 14 days or a month, 14 days to a month or maybe 30 hours worth of game time or something along the lines of that. Because at least then if you've played 30 hours worth of game time, you've gotten your money out of it. I think so, yeah. Like no way in hell, like have you not played that game? You're just going, oh, I don't want it anymore. Like you've definitely played it and like long enough. And in some cases, maybe you might need to adjust that for something that's like maybe an indie game, maybe like five hours or whatever it may be, if you've yeah. played this game for five hours. And that's fair enough. Um, and that's how it should be done. Um, because at least, you know, if they've played 30 hours, then they're just con artists and they don't really have any legal standing because they got the time that they wanted out of that game. That's what they paid for. They paid for that entertainment. Done. It, it is a hard thing to get right. Like if you're playing Xenoblade and you're five hours in, that's that's um you know probably the amount of time you might need to be like all right this this isn't living up to what I thought it was. Mm. Whereas if you're playing like Gone Home, you're going to be finished that game in forty minutes. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. there is there it, it it is sort of a hard balance to get right. Um, how they do it, whether they do it just like you know you can't open the game whatsoever if you want a refund, even if it's like that baseline. I don't think that's enough. Mm. But at least there is that buffer to be like, oh, the reviews came out and it looks awful. I think uh, the main thing that comes up is the Outer Worlds port that recently came out. Like that game was up for pre-order for months and months and months. Um, there was no screenshots, no video. And that's usually um, a pretty obvious thing, but it's not going to turn out very good if no, they're not yeah. publicizing it very, very much. Very obvious indicator. But they'll, they'll, like, they're asking for $90 for that game, which is... That is too much. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, that's, that's too much for any game, I feel like. I feel like $80 is the point where it's like that's that's the point. When you can pick up Game Pass Ultimate for a month and that's $15 and you can play a whole library of games if you really want to. Mm. And that is including Outer Worlds, I'm pretty sure, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's on so, Game Pass. Yeah. But like, you know, we're talking to a Nintendo audience that so might not have an Xbox, but yeah. yeah. But like, like you pre-order that game and it comes out how how that port came out where you're literally like walking between areas and it stops and buffers like a YouTube video to load up and like the textures take about a minute to load as you're already like going through the level like um you you can like you can blame Nintendo you can blame the Switch you can blame the developers whether they should have even tried to put it on Switch it looks like maybe they shouldn't yeah <laughs> just yeah. because of that's a pretty uh you know, it's a, it's a brand new game that's running on Xbox One X and PlayStation 4 Pro. It's probably not a great suit for it. When they announce it, it's kind of like, yeah, if they can do it, sure. But obviously, it obviously turn they out couldn't. Yeah. They couldn't. Um, but I think like games like that, that is where the re- refund policy needs to come in. Because um, I I remember um, Resistance um, Burning Skies on um, PlayStation Vita. Um, that game actually looks pretty good in previews and that, and like it looked pretty good. So I pre-ordered that at EB Games. And I, um, yeah, I, I picked it up and reviews came out. It was absolutely terrible. I played I played through it and I'm like, yeah, this is pretty ordinary. Like the whole game, I beat it in like three hours. Like it wasn't very long. It wasn't very good. So, you know, seven days, whatever, I was able to take it back and get my money back. Yeah, and that's right, yeah. Like sometimes sometimes you need that buffer. And for Nintendo, I feel like it would be a good thing for them because it will have, it will have people more confident to spend their money on pre-orders and all of this that they're asking for. Because, mm. like, 
like at the moment they're asking for a pre-order for um paper mario and you know i'm sure that's going to be pretty good but we don't know you know if it's going to turn out like the other ones the last two or whatever so maybe i'm hoping not <laughs> yeah well i'm hoping not as well but maybe if they had a better refund policy we'll be able to buy oh i'll put my 80 bucks and if uh yeah if i don't like it or if it comes out like oh this is you know kind of like the other ones it's very underwhelming it was like well like a refund, please. And that is the probably the most correct statement in all of this is that by not having a refund policy, they are inadvertently pushing people away from laying down a pre-order. And you know what? You would get a hell of a lot more pre-orders if you had that safety net security. And by extension, you would also probably have a lot more sales because people would be more willing to put down that 80 bucks in advance and say, all right, well, I've put the money down. Now I know I'm getting it. And I can refund it later if it's crap. But you'll find that a lot of people take a lot of their opinions from people who have already played the game on the internet. So if people have put down their pre-order and then these reviews come out early, if you know people get the codes early and they're like, oh, it's not very good. And they're like, oh, well, that sucks. It's like, well, okay, well, maybe I'll give it a crack anyway because I've already freaking bought the game. I've been waiting this long. I might as well play it. And they'll probably find they like it. Mm. So inadvertently, in a way, they are losing money, like, pretty bad yeah but they are also going to lose more money through the courts yeah yeah absolutely um i'd like thinking about it more i think it should just be like you can get a refund if you haven't opened the game before because if if you're playing through a game say you buy a pokemon it's like, oh, i'll try this pokemon thing and like you, you figure out you don't like turn-based battle mechanics i don't think that's worth a refund it's like all right just because you didn't do the research into it that's probably not why but if it if it turns out that it's just broken and like it is a game that you would like, but it just won't work like it's advertised, then that should be refundable. Well, Steam's refund policy is pretty simple. Um, you either own the game for mm. a few weeks or you've played over two hours. Yeah. Right. And if you if you want that money back redeposited to your bank account, I'm pretty sure you can get it done. And that is the biggest problem with the Australian courts is that you can't get that money back. And I think that's fair to a degree because at the end of the day, um, a lot of people put on money on their their digital accounts to buy something that it's not it's not just sitting there waiting mm. waiting to be used because that's dead money until you actually find something you want. Yeah, because Sony just putting it as digital credit mm. back to their account that is pretty much nothing to them. They're still going to get that money regardless. Yeah, exactly. Whereas if you get it put back to your account, you can like use it to pay your bills and that, but you're like, oh shit, maybe I shouldn't have bought that video game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, Like everybody makes that kind of mistake, right? You know, somebody might go on eBay and they might accidentally order 700 rubber ducks. Yeah, all the time. Instead man. of 70. Instead of 70. Yeah, it's right? bullshit. Man. And then all of a sudden it's just like, oh crap, I've just spent 10 times the amount of money I was supposed to. It's like, I really need to cancel that order. You can go and be like, uh, I did not mean to order 700 ducks. I am really sorry. Uh, can I have my money back? And they'll be like, okay, we'll help you correct that order. It's the same concept, right? Like sometimes people don't think too far ahead or somebody have le- somebody's left something in their cart that they're considering or the kids accidentally put in there. And that's right. They like, bought it and spent yeah. an extra 80 bucks. It's just like, well, shit. Like if you're <laughs> no, if, stuck with this. If you're buying V-Bucks over the eShop, um, like just they say if you have any concerns, you can contact Nintendo Australia or New Zealand. But that is, that is a lot of hoops to jump through to do it. It's not like Apple or whatever where it just has a, a number or email yeah. to just go straight to it. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's a lot of hoops to go through just for basic stuff. Mm-hmm. So, 
pull your fucking head in Nintendo for God's sakes. Ah, uh, look, put, put a good refund policy on for yeah. the consumers. Well, look, they need to consider it, and they need to consider it soon because that'll be where the hammer goes next. Mm. I can guarantee it. I'm surprised um, it hasn't already. Like you know, they've had this policy forever on their eShop. Like it's just mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, well, well, as in recent years, uh, the ACCC is cracking down a hell of a lot more. Mm. So, um, you know, uh, they probably went for the bigger targets first, that being, you know, Steam and PlayStation, which are, yes, the bigger targets uh, by sales-wise, mm-hmm. um, and then Nintendo following. So, more, yeah. Because yeah. I believe Xbox has quite a good one as well. I think theirs is pretty up to snuff. Oh refunds. yeah, they've they've never been too much of a problem. Yeah, not that I've had, tried to get a refund over there, but no. Um, mm. back in the Xbox 360 days, I remember them being pretty alright with refunds. Yeah, giving you back your Microsoft points if you don't. <laughs> oh, just 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 reverting it in general because it's yeah. all you know. They have a pretty good uh, support line anyway because obviously Microsoft owns more than just Xbox. They've got yeah, you yeah. know, Microsoft Windows. And how many people call them for Windows every day? So it, it's kind of you know just in their nature to have a better support line. They've had it since 1990, you know. Yeah. So um, I don't think I think they're very well aware of refund policies and how they work and what you have to be mindful of. And they've never really had a problem with that kind of thing. So yeah, I, I, I don't think they'll ever land in trouble, but Nintendo definitely will. Yeah, hopefully we'll see some change relatively soon. Pray. <laughs> Pray, yeah. Otherwise, we'll be reading in the news how Nintendo got sued. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So, Bryce, before we wrap up, anything you'd like to uh, bring up on the show or you, you reckon we're done? Uh, I think I'm pretty good this week. It's been it's been a slow... It, it's still sort of a slow burn until Pokemon and uh, Smash DLCs hit. Um, mm. as, as we mentioned last week, it was pretty, pretty cruisy for most of that week too. Um, and, uh, hopefully more, hopefully some more news soon. Like I, I want like a direct or something. It's pretty much the week of that E3 would be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I want a direct soon. I want something cause it feels empty. Like it doesn't even feel like it's the week, the week of E3 yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And that's sad to say, cause it how is. much that's been part of our, like a part of our viewing pleasure for the last you know, seven years. We've done that every year, except for the one year you went on vacation. Mm. So it, it's it's a bit strange. And I'll be sad if we don't get anything around this time. Yeah. It, it sounds like we're not, but... I mean, well, I mean, PlayStation sort of put out the, that they were going to do a reveal around this time, but because of Black Lives Matter and everything, and, you know, that they, they delayed that, which which is absolutely fair. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, in terms of... Uh, Hopefully, hopefully, as things sort of come to more of a resolution, hopefully, and not uh, not continue as they are, and you know, whatever it may be, hopefully, hopefully, they win that battle sooner rather than later. Is my point. Um, and then when things get back to normal, we'll have something, and that would be nice. But again, like you said earlier, you put it very eloquently. Um, having that kind of stuff can take the voice away from that kind of movement and it's important that that movement stays strong. So I, I'm 100% in favor of just, you know, letting it go and I can wait out, but I would like to hear something soon. Yeah. Just for our entertainment and viewing pleasure. Absolutely. (laughs) 
So, everybody, thank you very much for listening to The House of Mario, episode 145. If you enjoy the show, you're more than welcome to go over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. Remember, Canada, we are relying on you. Go and leave us a review. Get That's us, right. Get us some uh, Canadian iTunes reviews. Shaking your Canadian club. It's the sound of your borders, Canada. They're calling you. <laughs> and uh, you can also share the show on social media and all that with all your friends, Facebook groups, like our good friend Daniel did, and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a link invite to the House of Mario Discord. Yeah, that's right. As well. So, yeah, Bryce, where can they follow you on Twitter, my friend? At IV11. And you can follow me at iDruby and the show at the House of Mario. And this week's Nintendo jukebox is by Family Jewels. Which, uh, Family Jewels, which, baby. Which a lot of you guys, if you're looking at video game music, remixes and all that, you'll... You've typically s- seen Jewels. You'll see yeah. Jewels on YouTube and that does really cool music. Um, yeah, fantastic. So he's done a, uh, a cover of uh, a song from Xenoblade Chronicles. You, uh, you, you will know our names. So it's basically, Very popular song. Yeah. Is it just the main battle theme? Is that uh, it? it's it's the boss battle theme. Boss battle theme. Yep. Yeah. Well, high rank monster battle theme. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Until next week, the doors to the house of Mario are closed. Catch you later. See ya, bros. Bye, man. <laughs>